All right, so we're going to get into message number eight of our James series. We're going to be in chapter four. Let's talk about why can't we all get along. So just a quick review. James has been helping us with this everyday Christian stuff. What does it mean to live, with, live for Christ in, in a world that's going the other direction? You see, the church is a family. We, we are called to live a certain way. We're called to live a different life. Uh, we're, right here in our community, we're called to live the life that Christ calls us to. So our perspectives are different from the world, right? Our, our values are different. Our beliefs are different. They're centered around Jesus and his teachings. Uh, the way we treat other people is to be different. We're to reflect, reflect, reflect the love of Christ. So, so we are a different kind of people living in this world. Uh, but the reality is, is that many believers compromise the teachings of Jesus. And we've all probably been there. Uh, we, some live immorally, some adopt the views of the world and the beliefs of the world and, and do away with scripture and the teachings of Jesus. And this is what James is addressing, hoping that we will return and live out the rich family history that we have in Christ and that we will be the salt and light that the world so desperately needs. Our community needs it. Your family needs to see it. James is calling us back to the higher ways of God. He gets a little rough on us sometimes too, doesn't he? James is the kind of guy that will just point the finger and say, hey, stop it. Stop it. Let's, let's, let's get this right. So, so thank you, Pastor James, for helping us out. So, so Lord, if you were right there close to James, just tell him we thank him for the letter. Has anybody read the letter? Have you read what he said? You might want to read it before you get to heaven because he's going to ask you about it. Did you read what I wrote? Right, right. All right, so let's read the first 12 verses of, of chapter 4, and uh, let's, let's just go back. We'll read the whole thing. I'm not going to be able to cover all the stuff in 12 verses, uh, but I want you to hear the whole thought in your ears. All right, here we go. Where do wars and fights come from among you? Do they not come from your desires for pleasure that war in your members? You lust and do not have. You murder and covet and cannot obtain. You fight and you war. Yet you do not have because you do not ask. You ask and you do not receive because you ask amiss that you may spend it on your pleasures. Adulterers and adulteresses, do you not know that friendship with the world is enmity with God? Whoever therefore wants to be a friend of the world makes himself an enemy of God. That doesn't sound like a good place to be, does it? Or do you, do you think that the scripture says in vain, the spirit who dwells in us yearns jealously, but he gives more grace. Therefore, he says, God resists the proud, but gives grace to the humble. Therefore, submit to God, resist the devil, and he will flee from you. Draw near to God and he will draw near to you. Cleanse your hands, you sinners, and purify your hearts, you double-minded. Lament and mourn and weep. And let your laughter be turned to mourning and your joy to gloom. Humble yourselves in the sight of the Lord and he will lift you up. And do not speak evil of one another, brothers and sisters. He who speaks evil of a brother and judges his brother speaks evil of the law and judges the law. But if you judge the law, you are not a doer of the law, but a judge. There is one lawgiver who is able to save and to destroy. Who are you to judge Another. Ouch. Hmm. Lord, help us. Thank you for your word. We just pray that it will just cut where it needs to cut. It'll cut out what it needs to cut. And Lord, you'll add to us what we need added. Give us your grace this morning as we hear. Help us to hear. Help me to speak clearly, Lord. 
Release your revelation to us and help us to walk in it. In Jesus' name, amen. So this teaching is about conflict resolution. It's about working through our problems in the right kind of way. And, and, and as, as we launch, you know, here, here's just a few funnies that we can, we can cover. So, so this guy says, that the, uh, this lady says, the other day my husband was feeling all manly and he said to me, I am the man of this house. You will wash, cook, and clean, and you will also rub my feet and shoulders. <laughs> then he went on to ask me, now can you guess who is going to help me get dressed in the morning? To which I replied, the funeral director. <laughs> and that's how the fight started. Here's another one. A few years ago, I thought it would be a good idea to purchase a cemetery plot as a birthday present for my mother-in-law. You know the mother-in-law, the mother-in-law jokes. I got songs written about all that, right? So her next birthday, I didn't get her a present. She was not happy about this and questioned why I didn't get her a present. And I responded, well, you still haven't used the birthday present I gave you last year. And that's how the fight started. (laughs) Lord, I'm glad I got a good mother-in-law, right? In case she's watching. So my wife sat down beside me on the couch as I was channel surfing with the remote. And she proceeded to say, oh, what is that on the TV? And I replied, dust. (laughs) And that's how the fight started. (laughs) And the last one here. It's been raining cats and dogs all week. And my husband is really starting to get frustrated and angry. He just keeps standing by the window staring at us. And if this continues, I'm going to have to let him inside. (laughs) And that's when the fight started. (laughs) All right. So we're much better at starting fights. We we know how to pick a fight. We know how to ag one on. We we know how to provoke something. We're much better at starting fights than we are at making peace. And some of us just like a good fight. That's not always a strong suit. A good thing. Here's some famous fights in history. You'll recognize some of these. Uh, Ali versus Frazier. That's a real famous fight, wasn't it? All right. Then Mike Tyson and Buster Douglas. That was a good fight, wasn't it? Well, depends on who you bet it on. If you bet it on Buster Douglas that day, it was a good fight for you, wasn't it? You made a lot of money. Then, then there was this deal between Tanya Harding and Nancy Kerrigan. You remember that deal? Back in the Olympics, all that deal. You know, that was more of an attack, not really a fight. <laughs> then you got this fight, this, this feud that go, went on throughout their whole lives before Steve Jobs died. Steve Jobs and Bill Gates. They were always at odds about Technology and all the things that happened in their early days. And for all of you who are over 50 who know these two guys, Billy Martin and George Steinbrenner, you ever seen a fight in your life? Those two were great entertainment to watch. In fact, Billy Martin was great entertainment to watch doing anything. He, I, I believe when he ordered his coffee, he was mad. It's just the way he was. <laughs> but those are the Yankees. If you don't know anything about baseball, those were the New York Yankees. That was the owner and the coach, all right, the manager. Then there's the, the famous British War, the War of the Roses. There's a lot of novels and stuff that's been written about that. And then there's the, the, the iconic fight. We always talk about the Hatfields and the McCoys. You've heard that kind of stuff before? I'm from Tennessee. They're not too far from up that area. And then you got the gunfight at the OK Corral. And we, we love a good Western, don't we? We like this kind of fights. We, we like that kind of stuff. James is going, is going to address some things about fighting. He's going to address a very serious problem. And it's a fight in the church. It's a fight amongst believers. And it seems that, that James is implying that some believers had gotten so cross with one another that their fight has now escalated into a war. 
And you know what it's like to, to get into a war in a small community of believers? You, you get into a, a war and people choose sides. And, and then, then they begin to fight here and there in the parking lot and on the telephone and on the texting and all that kind of thing. And they fight and they choose sides and the body count just begins to rise. And the tragedy of all this kind of fighting is while we fight, the name of Christ is tarnished. And it's a sad reality in the family of God that churches oftentimes fight. Fight over the silliest of stuff. The color of this or the purchase of this or the going of this or the doing of this or the loudness of this or the thermostat of this or the heat and the cold. You know, just the length of the sermon. Get over it. We (laughs) had to throw that in there, right? Church fights. I I was raised in church. And and the old boy said, you ain't never seen a fight until you've seen a good old church fight. And it's, it's not pretty. And churches have, have lived in strife for decades sometimes, and, and they split over these kind of things. And the tragedy is, as long as we are fighting each other, our real enemy is not being addressed. He's not being engaged. He's not being driven out. And, and, and what happens is our influence for good in the, in the community begins to wane. And, and they don't know us for all the good that we do. They know us for the fact we can't get along. I know you've just read about these kind of things before, but... This, this all weakens us, weakens us tremendously for the call and the mission that God's got us to do. Now, because of sin, this is a reality. It's a reality and it can be in your home. It's not only fighting in churches, but there, there can be fighting that happens between spouses, between, between siblings, between family members, husbands, wives, uh, fathers, children, mothers, children, that kind of thing. Fighting that can happen between friends. And you know, there's even some feuds in our community. Some which have lasted for generations. You know that? Hmm. Some people still can't get over it. Wars between tribes even happen. Wars between nations happen. And sometimes it's even escalated into world, world wars. Serious conflict. and Serious body counts. So the question we're asking this morning is, why can't we all just get along? Ask somebody that. Why can't we all just get along? You really might need to ask that question to somebody. Why can't we all just get along? And James is going to give us some insight. Now here's a thought as we launch into the, to the text of verse number one. In the name of what we think is right, we often handle it the wrong way. Been bad about that sometimes. And here's another thought. You cannot do the right thing the wrong way. It will not bring about the right thing. You see what I'm saying? Proverbs 16.25 says this. In fact, Proverbs quotes this twice. There is a way that seems right to a person, to a man. But its end is the way of death. So we got to be careful. So we don't only want to go after the right. We want to do it the right way. Right? Right. All right. So now he gets into these reasons. He just launches right here in verse 1 and 2. He uses these phrases about the reasons of their conflict. He says, do, do they not come from your desires for pleasures that war in your members? Now that members could be us, our physical body or it could be the members of our church, the, the, the very... Various members of our the, the church family. He says, you lust and you desire, the word lust meaning desire, and do not have. So here, here's the way I see that, I interpret it. Everybody seems to want their own way. And now what happens is everybody has to have their own way. Which way are we going? Besides the police station. <laughs> so what's happening, everybody wants their own way. There's no compromise uh, there's very little diplomacy. There's no agreement. There's no backing down. 
Pride rises and relationships fall. The love is gone. The plot is lost. But you know what? A lot of people's motto is, is that, you know, we would get along just fine if you would just do things my way. Anybody know anybody like that? I can be that way sometimes, right? We'll be all right if you just do what I tell you to do. We'll be fine. That's the end of it. But here, here's what's happening in, in this conflict. They, several have adopted the deal, it's my way or the highway. And I don't know about you, but I, I really don't do good with ultimatums. If you give me an ultimatum, I will likely test you on that ultimatum. Anybody else like that besides me? You, you tell me I can't, and I'll find 15 ways I can. I don't know. I, it probably ain't a good thing, but it is a thing. I got it. I got a thing right there. Anybody else like that besides me? Anybody? I'm on my own. I'm on my own. We don't do good. You know, and anytime you give an ultimatum to a relationship, it, that, that relationship is headed down the wrong direction already. It's not good. My way or the highway, somebody's going to choose the highway. Now, verse, verse 2, he, he says that he, it's even intensified. He says, you don't get your way, so you murder, you, you kill one another. Now, it's not probably dealing with the fact of actual murder. He, he's probably talking about that you, you have gotten so angry with each other that you are absolutely killing each other's reputation. You're killing the reputation of Christ among you. It's, it's a metaphor describing their impassioned anger towards each other. In fact, Jesus talks a little bit about that, doesn't it? It kind of reminds me of what Jesus said about the, the, the seeds of murder is anger. You know, not, not to even get angry with your brother because if you get angry with him, you, 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 that's, that's, that's how murder starts, you know? So somehow or another, things were not going their way, so they fight, they kick, they scream, and they enact this scorch earth policy. Anybody remember the scorch earth policy? Like they had in World War I, I believe it was. You know, this, this idea about anger and, and not getting your way and what, how you're going to react. When I, when I do premarital counseling, I always ask this question to the couple. How does the other person react when they don't get their way? How do they behave when they don't get their way? That's an important question because guess what? If you're going to be in a relationship that's going to be harmonious and, and going to be together and you're going to share the same bathroom sink and you're going to share the same thermostat and you're going to share the same TV and you're going to share the same food and you're going to share the same stuff and you're going to share the same what? Toothpaste. toothpaste? Yeah, that, we just had to deal about the toothpaste. She, you believe this? I, I, my toothpaste goes in this, we got this little organizer in our drawer and it was like four little slides. My toothpaste and toothbrush go on this end. Hers go right over here. She puts her toothbrush right here and her toothpaste over here. We use separate toothpaste. The other day she got in my business. <laughs> and she moved this toothpaste to this other slot over here. And I'm like, what are you doing? Where, where's my toothpaste? It's in the slot beside it, right there beside it. No, it well, that ain't the point. It ain't where I put it. <laughs> Just these fun little things we go through, you know. Any, anybody that can uh, relate to that? I mean, I, I, I didn't know you wake up in the morning. Sometimes it's like playing hide and seek. And I don't know. Anybody married like that? <laughs> it's like you just moved it. You put it over. She said, I just put the cereal right there. It's right beside where it was. The point is, it's not where it was supposed to be. Anyway. We're in counseling. <laughs> no, <laughs> no, we're good. We're all good. Uh, she brought it up. She brought it up. She's over there looking at me in toothpaste. Toothpaste. So she brought it up. All right. So, so how, how, how are they going to react when things don't go their way? 
you know, did they blow the lid, blow a gasket? You know, because life, I don't know how your life turned out, but my life hadn't always went the way I wanted it to go. And it ain't always went the best way. You know, I, I'm supposed to be a millionaire by the time I was 30. I don't, I don't understand what happened. <laughs> I got to, you got to get going. Then he says this. He says, you don't get your way, so, so you're, you're willing to just absolutely murder somebody's reputation in order for you to get your way. And then he says that you covet. Now, covet's kind of one of them Bible words. We don't use that word in normal language. What, what does it mean to covet? It means to really, in, in the negative sense of the term, you want something that you should not want. Or something that doesn't belong to you. You want something that does not belong to you. And he says, so you covet. You fight and go to war to get what you want no matter what the cost. And what we're witnessing in just these two little phrases that James has written out. This is the destructive nature of selfish pride. And it will absolutely kill everything around you. You know? Then the next part of verse number two and into three, he says this. Yet you do not have because you do not ask. You ask and do not receive because you ask amiss that you may spend it on your pleasures. All right. So you have, you don't have because you don't ask. You don't ask who? Huh? Who, who are we supposed to be asking about this stuff? Ah, God. So, so what is happening in all of these decisions that need to be made? Maybe they even are necessary decisions on how to handle certain things. Guess who we forgot to invite to the meeting? We, we forgot to set God in the midst of us and say, Lord, what do you want? That's what, that's what happened. He said, and you, you don't have the right answer because you didn't ask the right person. Because if you want the right answer, you've got to ask the right person. And the right person may not be the one sitting beside you. The right person is the one that's sitting on the throne who runs his kingdom and is willing to give us wisdom. But you've got to ask. You've got to invite him into the conflict. He said, you left me out. You left God out. You didn't ask. And that's why you don't have what you need. That's why you hadn't got to the answer. And he says, it's even stranger than that. It's even stranger than that. That when you do pray, it, it, it's gotten so twisted that you're aiming your arrow at the wrong target. You see that word amiss? What did you say? You ask amiss? You... you you're supposed to be aiming it right there and you're way off in right field somewhere. You're way off over here in left field. You're just asking for the wrong thing. Why are they asking for the wrong thing? Well, because, see, they didn't put God at the center of the conflict or the center of the decision that needs to be made. Guess who they put at the center? Themselves. And they stepped into the center because they wanted... What's best for you? What's best for them? That's what they wanted. Now, I, I, I'm glad y'all are here to listen to this. I know y'all don't have these kind of problems, but it's really good for you to hear about other people's struggles. <laughs> hmm. So instead of the love God, love your neighbor model that Jesus gives us on how to live, instead of the what's best for God in this situation, we, we've got something we've got to decide in our family or our church family. We've got something we've got to work out. Instead of having the mindset, what's best for God in this situation or what may be best for those around us in this situation, we step in the middle of that circle and we said, this is what I want. 
Hmm. You ever been to one of them meetings? They're a lot of fun. Then you get some warnings coming. Some pretty tough stuff he starts saying right here. Adulterers and adulteresses. Hmm. He just kind of lays it out. It sounds like a prophet right there. He, he, he calls them that. In, in biblical terms, that is like one of the worst things you can call somebody. He, he's basically saying, all of you folks that's hanging in there and trying to say you're part of God's family, all of you are cheating on God. That's the idea of that, right? Next time, talk about physical relationship. He's talking about the spiritual relationship here, just like the prophets do from time to time. Uh, I believe it's Ezekiel and Jeremiah use these words several times to, to talk about it. James is saying, hey, you're married to Christ and your allegiance is to Him. Why are you being unfaithful? And this is the strongest of rebukes that James can give to, to a body. You say you love Christ, but you all snuggled up with your own opinions in the world. You say you love Christ, and, but, but you're, you're, you're not looking like the bride of Christ. You're looking like, more like the bride of Frankenstein over here. You're looking more like the world. You've, you've morphed. You've lost the plot. You've become unfaithful. And this is what he says. He says, as you're being unfaithful, he said, now, are, are you going to become an enemy of God? Didn't you hear that, one, that, that word? To, to be a friend of the world is to be at enmity or to be at war, to pick a fight with God. Now, ask yourself. I mean, you may want to pick a fight with somebody else that you think you can take or you can outwit or do something like that. But do you really want to start a fight with God? I mean, you really want to just go, come on, give me some of that. Really? Really? The one who commands lightning bolts and all of that kind of stuff. You want to pick a fight with him? Read your Old Testament. You don't. And that's what he's saying. You, you, are you wanting to start a fight with God? And James gives us a revelation. He said, there's something you need to know about God. Something everybody in here needs. I need to know about God. I have had to learn this the hard way. That God is a jealous lover. He's jealous. You know why he's jealous? Because he's so good to you. He's so good that he, it's unthinkable in his mind for you to be unfaithful to him. He's never given you one reason to be. And he gives his all and he in return expects your faithfulness. Now notice now. that Notice how personal God is taking this conflict among the believers. They're fighting with each other. But who right now takes it personal? God does. They're fighting amongst each other. And God says, you know what? You're fighting with me. Isn't that something? That, that'll make you want to check yourself or you wreck yourself, you know. Kind of reminds you of, of like on the road to Damascus when, when Saul was going on, on that road, he was going to go persecute Christians. He had done been doing a good job of that. And he had all these letters to uh, warrants for arrest, basically, to, to go and, and persecute these believers and have them hauled off to jail. And Jesus meets him in the middle of the road, knocks him off his high horse, this bright light, and a voice comes out and says, Saul, Saul, why are you persecuting me? See what I'm talking about? When we don't get along, especially with our believing family, God takes it personal. 
said, let me tell you what's happening here. That makes sense, though. You think about this. Because now, if, if one of you fellas were to pick a fight with Sandy, do you think I'm just going to lay out or lay you out? What you think? I mean, for real. I mean, every, every husband that, that sit here would, would do that. If you're going to pick a fight with my wife, I am going to step in. And that's the way God looks at all of us. He looks at us as all of us as his bride. And he says, no, 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 no. I will come to the rescue of who belongs to me. That's why he steps in the middle. Kind of reminds me years as I was writing all this out. Reminds me years ago. Years ago, believe it or not, I used to be one of these rip, snorting, hollering, slobbering, spit, three rows back preachers. I used to be, I was raised like that. And I was that guy. And if I'm, the, the worse I made you feel, the better I felt like I did. I'm for real. That's the way I was raised. I was raised under that kind of, my daddy was that kind of preacher for a long time. Now, he's, he's since modified some of it. But, and there may be a place in some of that, but I'll tell you what happened in my life is, is one day I, I got through preaching. And I had just, I had just let them have it. Let them have it. God got my attention later that afternoon. And he said, how do you think you did? And it was just as clear as a bell, just as clear as me talking to you. And I was like, uh, well, you're asking in a way that I'm scared to answer. And he asked me this question that profoundly shaped my ministry. He said, would you let anybody talk to your wife like that? I said, no, sir. He said, well, how about not talking to mine like that? And I just crumbled. I, cr- I changed. I, so now I talk to you like you can actually hear me and you got some sense. And that you belong to another man, not me. It changed me. Truth still the truth. But I, 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 he told me how jealous he was for his family, his bride. You see what I'm saying? Anywho, <sighs> so James says, I want you to understand this principle about life, about you and your attitude and your posture. God resists the proud, but gives grace to the humble. You need to remember that. You need to put that in your memory banks. You need to put that in your character. You need to put that in your idea of who God is. Listen to this. Say it with me. God resists the proud but gives grace to the humble. Hmm. So what does it mean to resist? What does that mean? Well, you know how this works. What if you come across somebody that is absolutely so full of themselves that either that's all they can talk about or they are just as arrogant and just put off all these airs? What do you do? You see them in Walmart, what do you do? You resist them too, don't you? We don't want to talk, you know. You're not my favorite subject. You resist them too. So God resists. So it means to oppose or or even strong, it means to fight against. So proud folks, God fights against. God will literally push against and oppose the proud. The reverse, but if you're humble, he'll give you grace. He'll, He'll give you blessing. He'll give you empowerment. He'll give you what you need, grace. So humility positions us to get the good things from God. We don't earn it. It just puts us in the right position that a gracious God will say, I like him. 
That, that, that girl's got the right attitude. Remember now, he's talking about all this in the context of a conflict. So what often happens in the conflict? Well, I tell you what, I tell them. I tell you what, how dare they talk to me that way. I, I tell you who they think they are. And you know what? When we get mad, pride just kind of goes that way, don't it? It happens for all of us. So James gives us some instruction. Let's, let's go over these, these things real quickly. Now, each one of these phrases, you need to commit to memory. Some of you may already have them. You need to commit each one of these phrases to memory. And each phrase is a treasure chest full of wisdom. Now, literally, books could be written about each phrase. I'm not going to try to do all that this morning. You can can relax. But each each phrase, you you could absolutely write a thesis, a book on each phrase. And you'll see why in a minute. So why can't we all just get along? James has got some things to say about it. This is how we can. This is how we can all get along. Instruction number one. Say it with me. Submit to God, resist the devil, and he will flee from you. Well, wait a minute. I thought my problem was them. James said, no, your problem's him. So he says this. First things first. You got these things you got to work out. You want conflict resolution number one for the believer is first thing you do is submit your life, your thoughts, your opinions, your ideas. You submit to God. Used to, we used to say in, in wedding vows, you know, we, 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 wives submit to your husbands. That's kind of been, a lot of people want to mark that out. That's not a good idea. Everybody in the kingdom has somebody to submit to. You know that? Everybody has somebody to submit. Nobody's in charge. There's one man in charge and you're not him. We all submit to God. Submission is not not a a word to just bring into your marriage. Husbands, submit to your wives. Submission is a kingdom word that we come and we submit our very lives to the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords. So he says, first of all, first things first, submit to God. Now notice the progression right here. So we submit. Who do we submit to? We submit to God. You need to find a way to do that. That's real. It's just real practical. James is real practical. Give you some handles to get out of your mess and pick up these suitcases and carry them on into the conflict with you. Submit to God. And he says, then once you submit to God, you have the power then to do what? Resist. Resist who? Oh, so we got somebody else in this conflict. I thought the fight was between me and you. No, there's somebody else working behind the scenes. You have no idea the destruction that he wants to bring into your life, their life, and the community. I thought we were just trying to work out some finances. Oh, honey. (laughs) The progression, submit to God, resist the devil, and he will do what? He'll flee, right? He's going to run, but you try to get him to run without this step, it don't work. Because guess what? In case you hadn't figured it out, the devil ain't scared of you. He's got your number. But guess who he is scared of? <laughs> so, so the enemy who comes to steal, kill, and destroy, your solution, my solution is to submit to God. See, that's the humble thing to do, to submit yourself to God. Then you can actively resist the tempter and the temptation that's coming your way to sin against your brother, to be self-centered or to be prideful or or to to strike back to do whatever you're going to do, whatever the temptation calls for. You actively can resist when you actively submit. And he has to flee. 
The enemy has to flee with somebody who's right and related to God. The enemy has to flee. You know what? You know why? Because when I tell him to go, guess who's standing over my shoulder? God's standing right over me. And see, I, I'm saying, go. And, and God's up there saying, get out of here. <laughs> Instruction number two. There's a lot more we can say about that, obviously. Instruction number two. This phrase, you need to put this in your memory banks. Draw near to God and he will draw near to you. Say it with me. Draw near to God and he will draw near to you. Now, now how do you do that? How do you, how do you draw near to God? Hmm. Prayer? Worship? Get in his prayer? You make a conscious effort to do this. To draw near. Simply, you, you know what this means. It means to just come close. To just approach God. Make an effort on your part to get close to God. And guess what? It says when you make a step towards God, guess what God does? God said, I'll meet you in the middle. I'll meet you in the middle, but I'm not dragging you and hogtying you to get you here. That's just not how he worked. Now, he could. He, he could hogtie all of us and drag us around and say, you're going to do what I say or else. But that's, that's not how he wants to operate. He says, I want, I want us to meet in the middle. I want us to have the kind of relationship where you want to be in this relationship. I certainly want to be in this relationship. Now, if you'll step towards me, I promise you I'll step towards you. You need to find a way to do that. Whatever that works for you, whatever works for you. Maybe it's, it's praise music, maybe it's meditation, maybe it's quiet, maybe it's getting outside, maybe it's going to the beach, uh, maybe it's going to the French Riviera, that would do it, wouldn't it? Hey, uh, whatever it might be, just whatever you have to do in your day in, day out life, draw close to God. Here's the secret. The nearness of God is the strength of the believer. Do you hear what I'm saying? When you know that you're with God and God is with you, you are absolutely unstoppable. You hear me? Paul got that revelation in Romans 8. He lists all these things that come against us in our Christian life. And he says this, if God is for us, who can be against us? You know, I, I like to think of it like this. If God is for me, then it doesn't make any difference who's standing against me. You understand that? Draw near to God and he will draw near to you. Instruction number three. James is trying to help us out here. Thank you, James. Cleanse your hands, you sinners. And purify your hearts, you double-minded. Hmm. Okay, so now. I'm submitting to God, but it's not just enough for me just to, to bow the knee. God wants me to draw close. So I'm drawing close to God. And in conflict, we often focus on the shortcomings of other people. Well, they shouldn't have done this. They shouldn't have said this. Or I can't believe they won't do that. In conflict, we focus on the shortcomings of other people. But when you draw close to God, guess whose shortcomings seem to pop up? That's, that's one of the painful things. Now, it's, a, it's a pleasurable thing and a wonderful thing to draw close to God. But there will be some pain experienced because you will all of a sudden see you're wrong. It just happens. And when you see you're wrong, what are you going to do? Well, a lot of people run. I, I, I just ain't got time to deal with it. 
James says a better idea when you get into the presence of God and you draw close to God, wash your hands off. Cleanse your hands. You know the hands that may be doing what they ought to do? It's just a picture of our deeds. You need to get that washed off of you. What about your heart? You need your heart purified. When you come into God's presence, you need to ask Him to change your heart. And you do whatever you need to do to do that. And and this double-minded thing where we're in doubt and we're shuffling back and forth between two worlds, let's get that straightened out. So we get cleaned up, seek forgiveness from God and other people when necessary. We clean our hands, deeds, we, we get our heart right, we, we, we get our heart back aligned and in allegiance with God, and, and we become focused, we become single-minded instead of this double-minded thing. We, we get our focus back, we, when we draw close to God, we, we, we get Him in view again. And not just that thing or whatever that, that issue might be, and it might even be an important issue. But we got to put him back in center view. That'll help a lot. All right. Instruction number four. He says, lament and mourn and weep. Let your laughter be turned to mourning and your joy to gloom. So he's saying get serious about this now. You get serious about getting right. So get out the Kleenexes. Get with God. Repent. Tell him you're sorry and let God do some deep work in your soul. Now, wait a minute, God. There, there, this, uh, the, pro- the problem is, I, it's just my, I don't think we should be doing this. It's just, uh, I can't believe she said, uh, they didn't even come up in the conversation yet, have they? You understand what I'm talking about? So when you're wanting to focus on it or them, God said, no, let, let's, let's, honey, sit down. Let's talk about you. He's helping us out now. It's uncomfortable. We don't like it. But this lamenting and mourning is getting serious with God about it. About getting your soul right. Back in the right spot. Psalm 51 is a great prayer. It's a great prayer for you to find a place of repentance. I've used it hundreds of times in my life. It's an absolutely wonderful prayer. David prays this prayer as a prayer of confession and repentance. In that prayer, he says this, A broken spirit, a broken and a contrite heart, these, O God, you will not despise. See, God knows when you're serious and God knows when you're playing around. God knows when you're serious and God knows when you're trying to manipulate. He knows that, doesn't he? Instruction number five. Again, it feels so weird to just glance over these things like this. There's a lot of stuff here. Instruction number five. He says this, humble yourself in the sight of the Lord and he will lift you up. Say it with me. Humble yourselves in the sight of the Lord and he will lift you up. So instead of getting all high and mighty, he said, it's time to get low. It's time for you to humble yourself. Now, when you get into this kind of posture, bowing kind of becomes a natural response to this kind of attitude. Bowing. So stop thinking so highly of yourself. Stop thinking so highly of your opinions. Stop trying to be seen and heard. And in due time, if God sees fit, let him lift you up. When he thinks you're ready, he'll lift you up. So my job is not to lift up. My job is to get low 
God's job is to lift up. Now, what happens if I lift myself up? God will have to make me what? Low. So don't get that reverse now. And the last of it. Instruction number six. He's helping us in conflict. Now, this will help your marriage. It'll help you on your job. It'll help you in your conflicts now. Instruction number six. Do not speak evil of one another. James has already talked about the tongue a little bit, hasn't he? We just got through with that in chapter 3. Talk, talking about the tongue. He's, do not, say it with me. Do not speak evil of one another. Do not, especially beloved in the body of Christ. Do not speak evil. It shouldn't be of anybody. But don't speak evil of one another in the body of Christ, especially. And the logic he gives is as pointed as it can be. He said, you're not the judge over anybody. Shut your mouth Stop being critical. Stop being judgmental. Stop keeping score. You're not the judge. Who are you? And James basically says, who do you think you are? Really? You? I could hear God over heaven saying, girl, you straighten yourself up. Boy, what are you talking about? I got some stuff on you that I can make you crawl out here on your knees. You know what I'm talking about? So James just comes right up and says, who do you think you are now? He said, there's only one lawgiver, and guess what? It ain't you, and it ain't me. There's only one person who sits in the seat of the judge and drops the gavel when it's necessary. So James is really saying in no uncertain terms, mind your business. Mind your own business. Stop being so caught up in other people's actions and reactions and start, you concentrate on you doing right. And honey, I promise you, that's a full-time job. You know what happens? You know what really happens? When you start minding other people's business, guess whose business don't get tended to? James, James, James. It's tight, but it's right, isn't it? Hmm. So why can't we all get along? I could have just said this, pride and selfishness. That's really what it boils down to, isn't it? Our own pride and our own selfishness keep us from getting along. And I'm not just talking about tolerating each other. I'm, I'm really, he talks about that royal law. He, he wants us to love one another. That's what Jesus wants. He, he didn't want us just to tolerate each other and say, well, you know, we just know how she is. <laughs> we don't want to be just tolerate. How come I keep putting that in the female? <laughs> I need to clean that up a little bit, ladies. I'm sorry. We just know how he is. I'll clean it up for you a little bit. You're welcome. <laughs> we'll call him to the altar in just a minute. So why can't we all get along? The solution is get your life right with God. Whether you're far away from God or whether you've been walking with God for a long time. The solution to your conflicts is not the resolution of your conflict. It's the joining of your heart back to God. And here's the miracle that happens. It's amazing how when you get right with God, you get right with other people. It's amazing. It's a, it's a miracle that happens, actually. And that, that old girl, that old boy ain't changed a lick. You love them to pieces. You know what I'm talking about? Because what he has gets transferred to you because that's how he sees them. 
And when you get your life right with God, it's amazing how you get your marriage will get healed. I've still got things to work out. But all that hostility and strife. It, see, we, we, we all got problems, but we all don't have to have strife. We all got dilemmas and challenges and difficulties, but we ain't got to fight. We, we got a non-fighting rule in our house. I know we're joking about the toothpaste stuff, but we don't fight. We, you know, God, God help us. We, we've been together a while. We, we don't fight. She does what I say and we're fine. <laughs> yeah, yeah. No, you know that ain't true. If you've been with that girl any length of time, you know that ain't true. We, we don't fight. We, we disagree. And sometimes we, we make sure that other people can hear us. <laughs> but we, 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 we just got a, we, we, we got this understanding between us. That we may have something to work out. And, you know, we got kids that will drive you absolutely insane. And we, could, we got a lot of opportunity to get on different pages with this stuff. We choose, we make a choice between the two of us that we are going to get along. We may disagree, but we're going to get along. You know how that works? And we may even disagree, but we're, we're going to stay submitted to one another. Because see, submission right here is tested. See, it says submit to God. That was one of the main points. Submit to God. You know when submission's really tested? Yeah, you do. That's when you have to do what you don't really want to do. That's how you know you submitted. And God will test that, I promise you. So why can't we all get along? I've really, we've joked around a lot, but I, I thank God. I don't know if it's always been this way. We've only been here for three years. But I don't know if it's always been this way, but thank God for the peace that's in this family. We're going to get along. I say it like this. We, we, we're going to have peace. We may not have you, but we, we're going to have peace. You understand? That's just the truth. We're going to have peace now. I, I'm not going to go to bed with you on my mind every night. Worrying about what you're going to do, ain't going to do. I ain't going to do that. I'm, I'm too old for that. I, I did that when I was younger. About stroked out. For real. But we're going to have peace. Because guess, guess who's in charge of this thing? He's the Prince of Peace. And, and we, we, we may struggle. We may disagree. But we're going we're gonna, to we're gonna be at peace. You know what I'm talking about? And I may walk away from you and say, oh, well, we don't agree. Let's go get a cup of coffee. <laughs> you know what I'm talking about? That's love. Why can't we all just get along? Lord, help us. Holy Spirit, we need your help so much in this area. Because of sin and all of our twistedness and all the things that get bent up in us and and we got a tempter that's trying to push this thing in the wrong direction. We just acknowledge that we need your help. If you're here this morning, or watching us on Facebook, listening to us in some other kind of way, podcast, whatnot, get your life right with God. Whatever that means for you. Maybe you're far away from God. Maybe you don't know Christ. Your, your, your next step is to submit your life to Christ. Ask Him to forgive you of your sins and become your Lord and your Savior. That, that's your next step. So do that. If, if you would like to do that, I'd, I'd love to hear from you. Drop me an email. Drop me a, a line. Text me. Let me know. I'd, I'd love to pray with you. I'd love to help you in that journey. 
Or maybe you're here and you're a believer and maybe there is a real conflict. We've had a lot of funny things we've said, but, but fighting can be real miserable. It can be tough. Get your heart right with God. Whatever that means for you. Whatever that means for you. If Sandy and I can help, we'd love to. But get right with God. Because if you're not right with God, then nothing else is right. Amen. So Lord, I bless your people. I bless your people. I ask you, Lord, to bless marriages. It can be a difficult thing sometimes. You go through all the changes of life and you go through all that stuff we take vows with and for richer, for poor, and sickness and health and all those things that we do. And, and then those things come and that boy gets rough. Life changes, our bodies change, things change, finances change, kids come and go. It's all these variables that keep coming at us, Lord. But I, I pray that you would bless each marriage that's here, Lord. Bless us. Bless us. Bless us with a heart for our spouse that we would be able to go through any storm. We, as, as the old boy said, we'd be able to go through hell and high water no matter what. Bless us. Where it's broken, Lord, bring healing. And maybe just that individual that may be here, Lord, that's just struggling. Might, that might be upset with you about some things. Give your grace, we ask. Make us the better for it. And Lord, I just pray you just lean over and just tell James, thank you. Thank you for his courage. Thank you for his boldness. Thank you for his wisdom. Thank you for his willingness to lay down his own life, Lord, so that we could get this kind of information to live on. Tell him thanks. We bless you, Lord. Give us feet to walk all this out. In the name of Jesus, we pray. Everybody said amen.